Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. Next up, we have legendary Olympic gold medalist and human rights activist, Tommy Smith. We talked to Tommy about his iconic protest on the 1968 Olympics podium, how it parallels social justice protests of today's athletes, and the delayed gratification of doing what's right. Let's go. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man Podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post. A show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Download the podcast. Tell a friend to tell a friend. What was your favorite episode? Who would you like to see on the show? Leave a five-star rating. Y'all know it's my favorite number. This week's theme is class muscle. Later on the show, you'll hear the definition of what class muscle is and where it's located on the body. But the class muscle isn't just a ligament. It's a metaphor for working hard and weathering storms to prepare us for what's to come. There will come a time in your life where you experience a tough situation or an obstacle, but come to the realization that you're built for it. That because you've encountered worse, Because you've had to struggle, it made you mentally and physically prepared to handle it. Those hurdles were put in front of you just to prepare you, not to hold you back. Those were drills. This week is the start of the 2021 Olympics in Tokyo. And I want to make sure I dedicate this very special episode to someone who will be noticeably absent. Shakari Richardson was removed from the U.S. Olympic 100-meter race and the 4x100 relay team after testing positive for marijuana, coincidentally in a state that it's legal. This topic is going to age like we see the NCAA's rules age, as now they've lifted the name, image, and likeness for collegiate athletes to profit off of theirs. The same thing is going to happen in the Olympics. They're not going to be as strict about cannabis or marijuana. You know why? In the United States, it's basically legal. But more importantly, it's not a performance-enhancing drug. But she did break the rule. She accepted her role in breaking the rule. And I appreciate Shakiri because in front of the whole world, she owned up to her infraction, apologized, and maintained her confidence in her natural abilities. She not only lost her mother weeks before, which is tragic, but she also lost her shot at a medal in less than a month. Shakari didn't need the Olympics to win. She looked adversity in the face and pushed through it. She showed us how to take accountability without shame. Now that's a winner. Shakari, we can't wait to see you in 2024. Keep pushing. Keep learning. You were built for this. See you in 2024. Our next guest is no stranger to hurdles on and off the track. Tommy Smith is an Olympic gold medalist and human rights activist best known for a silent protest on the 1968 Olympics podium alongside fellow sprinter John Carlos. Tommy and John raised black glove fists in the air to signify their solidarity 
with the struggle of black Americans faced in the United States of America. I talked to Tommy about that iconic moment and the advice he would give athletes slash activists of today. Up next, the iconic Tommy Smith. Hi, I'm Jalen Rose, and welcome to the Renaissance Man podcast, proudly presented by the New York Post, a show where we cover trends in fashion, entertainment, current events, and everything in between. Our next guest is one of my idols, an American hero, Tommy Smith. At the 1968 Olympics at age 24, he won a 200-meter sprint finals and gold medal in 19.83 seconds. Did you have wings? The first time the 22nd barrier was officially broken. He's also perhaps best known for his iconic Olympic podium protest. I'm rocking a t-shirt right now. Anybody that's ever watched Jalen and Jacoby for the last 10 years, that picture proudly sits in the studio of you throwing up your black fist with a glove during the national anthem. At that moment, the revolution was televised, my brother, for the world to see. And that moment became the image that has continued to inspire athletes and activists. Please welcome Tommy Smith to the show. Thank you, Jamie. Good to see you. Thank you, thank you. There's no Fab Five without the sacrifices that you made. And so that's where I want to start this thing. This episode I decided to call class muscle. You have described the class muscle as the muscle that lies along your forearm. When you stood on the podium at the 1968 Olympics and thrust your fist in the air, you flex this muscle purposefully. I know where the class muscle came from in your arm. Can you tell our audience where it came from? From the country, backwoods of Texas. I picked cotton, milked cows, fed hogs. I worked feverishly to endure those days. And by doing those hand climatic instances just to survive, I created muscles in my arms that did with my background into sports, into academics, and you know all of those things. With that, with that mass communication major of yours, you had to do a lot of things in life that you probably didn't think of when you were growing up, but we did it because that's where life led us. It's always been part of my life to physically move and excite not only the epicenter of that movement, but to create an avenue for people to travel on. Now, 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 flexing is a part of my life. I have to flex to be seen as Mexico City. I had not very much time to say anything, therefore I chose to say nothing. The Olympic project for human rights, not black rights, not any right of any color, human rights, which is all colors. What was your introduction like to running and being an athlete? Never brothers and sisters, and we used to chase each other everywhere we went. We never, <laughs> we, we, we never walked. We had no car, so we had to run. We had to get someplace fast. We ran, and that kind of carried over to the next step, to the next step, until we got to where 
these steps mounted into a long road called life. And we continued. I wasn't the best athlete in my family. Uh, my sister was better, better than that. She outran me even when I was in eighth grade. But you know, uh, uh, back in those days, daddies and mamas didn't want their daughters to be running because they might show a part of the body that they didn't want to see from the older days. But yeah, we had to, I went to college on a basketball scholarship. Mm-hmm. I just happened to run track as well. And uh, I decided I am not the type of guy to share. <laughs> I right. want to go out and run. Just, just to, when you're in basketball, you have the offenses, defenses, you have the psychological thing. You all, and you, most person, know that. Mm-hmm. It's a very difficult game to play. You don't go mm-hmm. out and just play hoops because there's a little round hole you're trying to get the ball in. You know, you, you have, you, you have the, uh, strategic methods of doing it. Mm-hmm. And that's that how I came through life. Strategies of mm-hmm. sports. sports. If you're an athlete, you can do something in life. Mm-hmm. Don't just think that because you're an athlete, you don't have to study. No, no, son. You have to maintain an academic thought process to move forward in this life. Look where you are now, uh, in reference to Michigan. Mm-hmm. You, you're 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 some you're, you're something for somebody. Mm-hmm. You're not just for Jalen. You're right. for the people around you. You what you have in your soul and your mind that God gave you. You sharing it. I appreciate yeah. that. And yeah. I, am I? And, and, and I truly <laughs> appreciate the kind words from a legend like yourself because I grew up wishing that somebody like you or Magic Johnson, or Kareem Abdul-Jabbar would even know my name. And you talked about it a little bit earlier, going to college. You got a scholarship to San Jose State University where you set a lot of records, but it's also where you develop your political consciousness. What was it like being young, black, and popular while living in a country that was actively oppressing people that look like you. I had to have something to give back. You can't give them back if you're sitting in the back seat. Mm. You have to maintain a, a, a position in life where uh, you eat, especially where you came from, so you can go back and help or say return and help. Mm-hmm. And sometimes when you return to those places, people who still who still live in those places wonder how you got out and why you came back. But it's a responsibility of those who are blessed blessed to move forward. But don't move so far forward that you forgot where you came from. You gotta maintain that direction of where you came from so you can go back with a smile on your face and say, you all right, you're just as good as me. We're just into different places and you share, you share. It's, 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 all, it's, all, it's about sharing. So I returned and uh, I did a lot of speeches around in that San Joaquin Valley. And interesting enough, you know, being a Detroit native, we call the Bay Area our cousins. It seems like there are so many things that intertwine the two cities and the two provinces. But the one thing I traced back was a relationship with the Black Panthers. Yeah. And you were in the Bay. You were a college student. You were developing your consciousness. As you see circumstances now, like a George Floyd pulled over and murdered by the police um, and knowing that the Black Panthers then in the 60s 
made a concerted effort that they were going to own their communities to the point when somebody got pulled over by law enforcement, yeah. they were going to follow all of the laws and make sure that they monitor that stop. As somebody that's seen both sides of this, can you give me a description of what it was like in the 60s in that space? It was a time to work within that system. Some believe, some believe any means by necessary. Some developed an idea of passiveness by the law. But we found out sometimes that the law did not represent equally. Mm. It placed things where they uh, thought that was a necessity because that's what they grew up with is the power. Now, speaking of the Black Panthers, yes, I was in the Bay Area, I went to San Jose State, the Bay is only a few miles up, worked in the streets to help the community as well, but you don't hear as much about that as you would with people who want to make the Panthers uh, a scared name. They did as well by helping the community as the police forces and the forces that mattered at that time did bad to them. And also inspirational and the shoulders as athletes in particular and as Americans, for example, an example for us to stand on your shoulders. I yes. talked about the iconic picture that I have that represents you, but I also have another one that was the Ali Summit where Muhammad Ali refused to be enlisted into the army. He said, you know, that he didn't have a civil liberties as an American, so why would he go fight overseas? There's Jim Brown who orchestrated it. There was a young Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. There was a Bill Russell. You're in that vein. Uh, take us back to what it was like being an athlete then because those guys and yourself, when you spoke out, you took the chance to be ostracized. Y'all wasn't making the kind of money, the $150, $250 million that athletes are making now. So can you acknowledge the difference of doing the sacrifices that you guys made knowing that you can lose everything? Yeah, and everything included life, included our lives. A lot of time uh, was placed in these meetings and the direction that we needed to go to preserve the, 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 the type of life that young Blacks, middle-aged Blacks, and especially older Blacks who came through those areas didn't have the potency that the young people during the 60s had. So with the older guys, with, with Jim Brown, with uh, Kareem Abdul-Jabbar and, 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 and others, uh, Dr. Harry Edwards, others who had the educational background, the prowess together and start functions. And one was the Olympic Pro Project for Human Rights, dealing with the athletes that are coming up that you need a voice. Mm -hmm. You can't run and get a voice. You have to make a voice with your physical and your mental capabilities to honestly come forward in a system who don't represent you equally. So how are we gonna do it? We meet, we mask, we talk, we act, we act. Mm -hmm. And yes, what, 99% of us was athletes coming from that athletic background, but knew that, yes, we're athletes, 
and some were great athletes, the basketball players, the football players. Mm-hmm. And, 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 and that was our responsibility. What were we going to do other than use our platform to, 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 do, to excite the unrest that was latent in that time, in those 60s? These were the time of social change, mm-hmm. not changing erratically to prohibit growth, but we forced the issue of doing or we will do it. Mm. And that's what scared people, black folks, young black men, taking their own, taking the, the responsibility themselves to move forward, scared the heck out of the, uh, of the masses called the power structure of the United States. And one of the loudest things you could ever do was actually silent. Right. And it was immortalized in textbooks on T-shirts like the one I'm wearing. Shout to John Carlos as well as an iconic athletic, iconic moment in American history. But like Muhammad Ali, when I saw him in Atlanta carrying the torch. Yeah, this is a delayed gratification. Definitely yeah. it is, because at the time you were painted by mainstream America as a traitor and anti-American. And I've seen so many athletes have this parallel since you. Craig Hodges went to the White House. I was a teammate of Mahmoud Abdul-Raouf who prayed during the national anthem and Colin Kaepernick, today the WNBA women. So what advice do you have for these athletes who get a lot of backlash for speaking out? Continue to speak out. There has been a lot of lives lost, so this avenue could be clear for you to stand up. Mm. So we have to stand up, not only stand up now in silence, but stand up verbally now because the young folks, next generation, are hearing you. So they would have an idea of their responsibility. We will continue to stand up and move toward the unexcitement of dictatorship and tolerate the ecstasies of the freedoms that we might have to move forward. Yes, there is a a responsibility. There is a sacrifice. We can't be afraid of sacrifice. You see what you have to do, you do it. uh, How did John Lewis say it? Good trouble. That good trouble. And by the way, that voting act with his name on it, still hasn't been passed. That's right. And also the Policing Act with George Floyd's name on it has not been passed passed. either. And so, correct, please continue. No, 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 this is good. This is good to to talking directly so people can understand where we're coming from. It's not a fight of, 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 of blood and death. Death and blood, it is a fight for reality to live. Yeah, all those acts haven't been worked on and they still need work. So the young folks out there have to understand that don't sit back and be silent. Say something, say something. And that is a totality totality of what we must do. Thinking, thought process. You didn't go to college for no reason, Mm -hmm. just to play basketball. No, you went to college for an education so you can do things to help others coming behind you. Mm-hmm. Because it's mighty, mighty important. The old guys back in the 60s, we've done our thing. What mm-hmm. we want to do now, 
We don't, don't want to be on the sideline because the next the sideline is a six-feet ditch, and we don't want to go there yet. We're going to want to stay on this side of the grass, mm-hmm. but we, we, we're still fighting, and that's what I do in my 36 years of college education. That's what I do. That's what I like to do, not talk in a, this is it. No, this is what we must work on to make it better and continue forward. You're a gold medalist. So therefore, not only because of your silent protest, but because of your athletic prowess and your voice, each time the Olympics come around, your name is going to come up. So whether it's Shakiri Richardson and her qualifying trials, I have another athlete for you who's a tennis player, Naomi Osaka. She withdrew from the French Open. And there's been a lot of light of athletes who've talked about their mental health. In retrospect, do you think you've experienced any PTSD from the way you were treated after the 1968 Olympics? I look around when I walk and I wonder, why why are you looking around yourself? That was my protective cover, protectiveness back in the day. So I'd never lose that type of initiative to move carefully. There's a lot of crazies out there just waiting for you to make a mistake. I'm not a hater of men. I'm a lover lover of, of all people. And I don't do to hurt. Mm-hmm. My interest is life. My interest in moving with a path of a path in righteousness. And then what else can I say? When I use that, you know, it's from, it's from the Bible. Mm-hmm. And the Hebrew 11 and 1. And that, that's what I that, that's what I, I do. And I, I know the, 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 what we're talking about is so broad. And you and I are just hitting on just a bit, just a bit of right in the middle of it. Mm-hmm. We hope it spreads because Correct. your work and my work, the basic saying, mine is older, yours is younger. There's mm-hmm. a lot of generations before us and after us, like you and mine, is designed. You were designed long before you were here. So mm-hmm. was I. We have to let rule what we know best for each each, each other. Uh, uh, in, in a mm-hmm. passive way of speaking, mm-hmm. I've been involved in some things now that I wouldn't do now. But the generations move forward in the same realm. It's not going to be in the victory stance anymore, but it certainly will be stands that uh, 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 needs to be taken. And no PTSD. I don't. I, I'm not in that. <laughs> mm-hmm. Uh, and, 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 I, and I appreciate your honesty. Um, and one of the things that help us get towards equality and get over where we started as slavery and three-fifths of a mm-hmm. man and the Jim Crow laws yeah. is having allies. And that's extremely important, showing solidarity with people in communities that we need support of. And Peter Newman, who's white, Australian Olympics, who placed second, stood beside you and John Carlos at the podium. What can you tell us about Peter Norman as an ally? Let me go backwards on this. That's a very good question. So I want to start backwards on and answering. Yes, he stood on the victory stand with John Carlos and Tommy Smith. Yes, yes. That was a deserving stand because he was second place. So he should have been there. But see, I, we, we know each other from 
the background mm. uh, other than the victor stand wow we know, we know his family we mm. know how careful and cautious and hardworking they are in their country mm. and and peter was basically the same person the human rights issue type idealism peter got in trouble because not because he was on this big victory stand he deserved that because he won that he won that stand the second place it was the button that he wore identifying him with tommy smith and john carlos mm. the people who hated him because of that didn't know very much about the olympic project for human rights so he was an advocate of human initiative human rights but people especially his people saw him as jumping on board with mm. Tommy Smith and John Carlos. He was already mm. there. Mm. The victory stand just pointed out the fact that he was a great uh, 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 human advisor. We, Tommy, uh, myself, and John Carlos flew back to Australia to eulogize this guy because we felt that that uh, 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 type of social cognizant togetherness with him and his family. Mm. Yeah, he was a great man, he had a great family. We met his family. Now, the reason I'm taking time, this much time on an issue which a lot of people don't know is Peter wasn't at all a bad person. Like his Olympic uh, 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 administrators thought he was because he could have ran, he should have ran in the 72 games for Australia. But because of his move in 1968, it eliminated him because of that wow. issue of, of uh, his dealing with Thomas Smith and John and, and John Carlos. Uh, I'm a founder of a tuition-free public charter high school. The kind of work that I do, again, is really just a function of standing on the shoulders of giants like yourself. So I'm excited about your documentary. It's called With Arms Drawn. Everybody, make sure you go check it out. It's about your life and career. That is right now, right now, right now, everybody. Renaissance Man was in the top 15 internationally <laughs> last week. Right now, go check this out. It's on Apple TV right now on Amazon Prime Video. It's executive produced by good friend John Legend and actor Jesse Williams. That's right. Did you discover anything new about yourself after watching it? And what is the biggest takeaway you hope people get from the film? The feeling of I am somebody, mm -hmm. the feeling of you are as powerful as you think. You are dealing with reality. Here I was, there I was, here I am. All between that are generations. And withdrawn arms categorizes the need or to be, be developed in the system as you move through. We've had exhibits of withdrawn arms uh, produced by Glenn Kino and, and uh, Afshin Shahidi, those are the, along with Jesse, Owen, uh, Jesse Owens. <laughs> Jesse Williams. <laughs> You're only right, you got running on the brain, and Jesse Owens <laughs> is a legend. Yeah, yeah, most certainly is. And it's a story that I like watching because it's a story of people, real life on film and I am still here. That's yes. the blessing that I feel, still here, 
to continue to teach through film mm -hmm. instead of silence. Mm -hmm. I've done silence. Mm -hmm. I'm not silent anymore. Mm -hmm. You know, that was the phase I came through to open up the door so I could get into. You're talking about your, your academy. Mm -hmm. You're responsible for that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you have to make it work. If Correct. nobody else is Jalen Rose, have to make it mm -hmm. work. Mm -hmm. That's what you're doing. You some of your money out of your own pocket goes mm -hmm. into because I believe that you feel that these kids are, are, and others are, are important enough for you to sacrifice just a little bit to make mm -hmm. them feel, F E E L, feel. You have to excite an entity to mm -hmm. make that entity grow. You have to fertilize plants. You have to water plants, mm. but they develop fruit. And that fruit is from your excitement to make a plant, to make a fruit so you can keep the system moving. This elementary, what we're talking about, is so simple that it's almost impossible to understand the human being and the ideal, idealistic methods that make one feel right, feel as one. You can take a hundred people and same idea. You know, a lot of folks view differences in opinion a devastating factor. You know. Oh yeah, like opposition. Yeah, yeah. You know, but you know, if say 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 on the basketball court or on on the track, you have to have some opposition because those oppositions are trying to go the same direction, mm -hmm. which is to W I N, yep. and W I N brings in a lot of attention. Sometimes mm -hmm. brings in enough money for you to do what you want to do to grow your own thing, mm -hmm. like you're doing now, like I'm doing. Mm -hmm. Grow these uh, organizations to produce interest, to produce factual job for young folks' mind to be a part of something. Well, I it's like important that. to me to put names and faces with icons for this audience. I'm going to also write a column about this interview it will be featured in the new york post we will send you a framed copy Fantastic. of it Fantastic. as a small token of appreciation and i just want all athletes entertainers to know the kind of freedom that you have the kind of money that you make the voices that you're able to lend to society and credibility are because of gentlemen like my guest tommy smith as society, we're better because of people like you. Forever grateful. Thank you for your service. My pleasure, and I enjoy talking, and let's sail into the future with enthusiasm. Absolutely, and before I let you get out of here, there's a rapid fire segment I like to do called Gone in 60 Seconds. You ready to do this? Let's do this. All right, you got it. This is a tough one, get ready. Okay. Who's your favorite athlete of my all mother. time? My mother. Really? Well, yeah. you got to do more than one word with that one. How <laughs> is it your mother? Because you mentioned Jesse Owens, and now you say your mother. So, boom, yeah. tell me how. She had 14 children. <laughs> all facts. All facts. All facts. How about this? I really love music. Name a song or an artist you remember listening to at the height of your track and field career? Sam Cooke. Mm, the I legend. Sam Cooke, yes, indeed. And I love his documentary, too. 
the two Sam Cooks, like the story of him being an entrepreneur and a businessman and outspoken and being all natural and stuff like that. I follow his story. It's excellent. What's the best advice you've ever received? Relying on your own word to be somebody. And this last one, it kind of speaks for itself. Name your favorite thing about being American. Being a black American. Well said. I like what you did there. <laughs> Thank you very much for joining me, forever grateful. I feel very good about what we've done. Last call. Last call. Again, I'd like to thank Tommy Smith for joining the Renaissance Man podcast and being an inspiration to me socially, politically, physically, psychologically. That leadership, that sacrifice, I always talk about standing on the shoulders of giants. You allow me to do that. It was such an honor to talk to someone who has paved the way for so many of us. The greatest thing about our conversation is the reinforcement of the idea that when you see something, you say something, no matter the cost. No loss of endorsements or jobs or fans is equal to the importance of standing up for yourself and the rights of others. People like Tommy Smith, Muhammad Ali, Colin Kaepernick may have lost a lot by being outspoken, but in time, history always separates the heroes from the cowards. Make sure you're showing up every day as a hero. I'm the Renaissance Man. See you next week.